I'm your inner dream monologue and you're fast asleep. So I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Tom Bernard Show with Andy Brant Bernard, JB, and Mike Molina. And we'll be right back in a couple of seconds. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant. Bradshaw and Brian. Due to the billions of marketing dollars spent by Walzer Automotive on Tom Bernard Podcast, you hopefully know that Walzer sells cars. What you might not know is that they also have two full-service collision repair centers in the Twin Cities. They're fully certified by all insurance carriers and can help you navigate all the paperwork if you ever have an accident. But wait, there's more. They've also been in the paintless dent repair business for nearly 30 years and can take those pesky dings out for just a fraction of what traditional body work costs. Broken windshield? Walzer Collision is a fleet of full-service mobile glass repair trucks as well. Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com. It's actually very good music for the first uh, story that I want to read from the news. Um, May 1st, 2017 was not a good workday for Austin Crawford. That's when the 22-year-old Oregon man ended up in the news after his co-worker, 26-year-old Scott Iverson, tried to force him Fargo-style into a wood chipper that they used on the job for a Salem tree trimming uh, company. Crawford's neck and jaw were hurt during the attack, which was, oh, so he tried to shove him in head first. That's a nice touch. No, if he touched the blades, he'd be dead. Well, it says his neck and jaw were hurt. Oh, so he just got hurt. Like in a struggle or something. In yeah. a struggle? Yeah, because, yeah, if you touch those blades, it's all over. Crawford's neck and jaw were hurt during the attack, which was stopped by another employee. The Statesman Journal reported at the time, Iverson was arrested and charged with attempted assault and attempted murder. And after pleading guilty to the assault charge, he was sentenced this week to 70 months in prison. Per KATU, Crawford said immediately after the attack that it was unprovoked and that he and Iverson didn't have any beef with each other. Only 70 months for attempted murder? I just don't really understand. You had no beef with one another, so why did the guy try to shove you into a whichever? Probably trying it's to a little be, severe. Trying to be funny, man. Hey, hey, Tom, our guest is here. Oh, Chris is in? Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Hello. Chris, how are you, sir? Nice talking to you. I was just listening to your voice because I do like your voice. Yeah. I do like. Well, I'm a fan of talk radio. I do like smart men and smart people and what they talk about. I I miss that. 
because there's not a lot of that. So, congratulations on being one of those. Well, thank you. It's very kind of you to say that. <laughs> it is. I, it really is very kind of you to say that. I, I've enjoyed your work as we you know, we've talked about before. I enjoy your work. You know, I was. I wanted to ask you. Um, yeah, because I had brought up this morning. We're talking about uh, about people being offended by comedy now, and mm. I and I've talked a little bit about it today with a couple a couple of different people. Yeah. And I, do you think? Because I was a huge Mongo fan, mm-hmm. right? Mango, Mongo. Uh, who's Mango fan? So I you, like that you yeah, say I mean, Mongo I, though, I, I, as if I, I it's different than the fruit. <laughs> but it's basically named after this. Well, no, it's Mango. Fruit. I know. Mango. But see, the problem is in in Minnesota. If you say mango, it sounds like mango. That's, that's the Minnesota way. And I wasn't. I'm not doing that. So mango, mango. So that's why I went. That's why I went mango, no, mango. <laughs> but anyway, I I thought it was a magnificent bit. Right. I loved it. Do you think you could do that now? Oh. Uh, oh yeah, I think so. Because I don't think anything was a. You mean like swatting the butt? Is that what you mean? Because I mean, there was well, uh, the part the of the whole... character. Well, he was uh, he was asexual, <laughs> really, and um, yes. both sexes were attracted to Mango. Mango was loosely based on yes. um, a Marlena Dietrich movie where she was a stripper, um, and she all the men would go see her strip. It was a movie from the nineteen thirties, and all men would go see her strip, and they were under her spell and. They'd go crazy for her, and you know she'd like just want to be left alone, and you know all she didn't do much wasn't much effort for her to do a dance that they were just transfixed with, and that was it. But she was uh, Mango was also a tease, you know, and swat, would swat her butt and kind of do a pose, kind of you know showing her her rear a little bit. Uh, so this mm-hmm. kind of comedy, physical comedy, kind of worked with people like J Lo. Because of her butt, and Garth Brooks wanted Mango, and all these people. So I don't think there was right, really right. anything sexually conducting or abusive or no, anything no, like that. Are you are you saying is that because is that what you're hinting at? Because I I, I can see no, how that no, might I, be. I know how that might be. Uh, <laughs> you know, confusing. Although there is a character called Mr. Peepers that maybe you're confusing right. it with. Mr. Peepers no. was. A character where I ate an apple, spit it out, and then I would hump somebody. That now, <laughs> that might be the one you're thinking about. <laughs> no, no, no. I was specifically. I was thinking. Okay. But Mr. Peepers is wonderful as well. Specifically, and I laughed for about a week. I'm sorry, but I did. Do you remember the Mango episode where there was a headline involved? Where Mango, I believe, got shot. Is that what happened? Oh. To Mango. Something, no, Mango, yeah, what happened to Mango? No, that was Buckwheat. Eddie Murphy got shot as Buckwheat. But I think Mango... No, Eddie Murphy got shot. Oh, wait. But Ma- the headline, something remember the happened. headline? Yeah, I don't even remember. Something did happen to Mango. Mango <laughs> tried to hurt himself or fell down. <laughs> it was something so, it was extravagant, hilarious. bad. It's something not very extravagant, but he made a big, big extravagance out of it. Um, but it that was, was phenomenally um, <clears throat> funny. Yeah, I don't, thank you. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't... I'm, I appreciate I'm gonna, you liking it, all the episodes, <laughs> Mango, <laughs> as if you've been catching up to, uh, you know, all the Mad Men episodes or something. But uh, I don't remember no. that one specifically. <laughs> but I, going back to the Me Too and Time's Up campaign, uh, that stuff, you know, hashtag, uh, I do think Mr. Peepers yes, yes. might be a difficult character to pitch to a guest host, you know, since, I mean, there were some really... Things I got I got away with doing that character or Antonio Banderas too because that was that character I probably probably would not be able to do because that was you know I would talk about someone's breasts in front of them and like Jennifer Love Hewitt I literally would go who are your friends you know why did you bring them here and she's like my friends I go Shh, don't wake them don't close their eyes <laughs> they are sleeping and tucked in like two friendly boobly things. So that might be <laughs> that might be taken I'm, as uh, offensive to the woman that is there. Yeah. I think now that that I probably wouldn't get, I probably wouldn't be able to get away with. <laughs> I know. I, I think the whole thing was very very funny. But, but don't you think headline, that I, I probably wouldn't get away with that? Do you think probably I wouldn't get away with I that now? I think you 
I, I well, I think because of in, intention. And doesn't intention have a great deal to do with it, or is just people's sensitivity enters into it far before anything else does? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if I would be able to yeah. get away with that sketch right now. Don't you think? Your opinion. I thought it was hilarious. No, I, 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 I appreciate very... that, but don't you think right now? <laughs> yeah, probably not. I don't think yeah, I would people be able looking... to get that on air. It's okay. People if, are looking for a reason to be, you know, angry at someone right now. There's nothing wrong about it. Uh, uh, I mean, no. it really isn't. I'm just thinking, I don't think someone, if you pitch that idea to someone, someone would go like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that would be a good idea. But I don't think it's a terrible idea. It's 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 not a bad, terrible thing because the person's, uh, it's consensual. The person is consensual about it and we're, or not, cons- wait a minute, mm-hmm. before I get myself in trouble, what am I saying <laughs> grammatically? It's not consensual. Is that right? Wait a minute. What is it when somebody agrees with it? It's consensual. Okay. Wait a minute. It is consensual. <laughs> it is consensual. Thank you. Where the woman, because uh, all the stuff I did on in Saturday Night Live was consensual, obviously. So there's no way I would get, yes. in, you know, or, or the other person would get in trouble. It's all consensual. It's in the, in the word of comedy. It's on live, and you've rehearsed the sketch, and you already told the person. But I think from the if you were to begin the week uh, with that idea, I don't think, I don't think, you know, I wouldn't do that right now, probably. You sound like... Sound like college students trying to figure out if they can or cannot have sex with each other and what they got to yeah. go through to to pull that off these yeah. days. You know what? You oddly sound like Woody Harrelson. Did you know that? Do I? A little bit. Nobody's ever said that. A little yeah, bit. He does. Yeah. No, he Come does. on. You're right. Close That's your eyes or just pretend you're listening to the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just say, uh, just say, uh, wait, wait, say a line from Cheers. Somebody say, what was the famous line from Cheers? <laughs> Some woody line from Cheers. What's the woody line from yeah, Cheers come like? Up with the woody line from Cheers. Hey, well, how about uh, I, how about I just give you a drink and you guys go home? Say that. Yeah. Hey, how about I give you a drink and you guys go home? <laughs> okay. Did that not sound no, like Woody Harrelson right. on Cheers? No, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Not loud enough, not forceful enough, but yeah. that's about uh, it. A relaxed Woody, Woody always Woody yells. Woody Harrelson. Yeah. yeah, he always yells. Basically, I've never. Chris, I've never heard that before. Well, don't get. Don't get don't get it in your head. Don't get no, excited. No, I'm, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> don't get excited. I mean, you're a better looking man, man than him. When I was a younger guy, it was you look like Eddie Murphy. Well, you look like. How about you look? Isn't that that's a cool thing to be? You look like Eddie Murphy and you sound like Woody Harrelson. Right. That's not bad. And I don't have either that's one of them. <laughs> I got like I look like Pee Wee Herman looks like Daff- combined with Daffy Duck or something. That's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> what? No. That was like a well, you know, our kids are mean, you know. Well, kids are mean. You're, you're absolutely right about that. I, I, I said this earlier to you today, but seriously, your your character on the middle was fantastic. Mm-hmm. You're very nice. And, thank and, you. You know, Brian Doyle Murray, that whole thing. I, I wish they hadn't. Look, I love that show, yeah. and I, I, you know, I've always enjoyed watching. But there are certain characters I wish they hadn't moved away from, and I understand. Yeah. There's an ebb and flow, and the morning show you were on this morning, I've been on that show for 32 years. Right. So it's not the same people I started with. It, it's right. moved around from here to. But but it was magnificent. Yeah. Really Thank good. you. Well, they they decided. Well, I think what happened was that Pat Patty. Uh, P- Patty Heaton wanted to. Uh, right. There were more uh, possibilities about her character um, when she became a producer on the show. The middle, her, there were more possibilities about her character doing things outside of selling a car, uh, which is where my character was based. Bob, her best friend. Although I were mm-hmm. was right. in her life, uh, you know, outside of it, I was supposedly her best friend, uh, her family best friend, and uh, Brian Doyle Murray, his character was also in the car shop. And this other gentleman, I'm so sorry to say I don't remember his name, but he was in um, a few other movies. And we were in the, where we, you know, work with her selling cars. So that character had to be fired uh, to learn something and then find herself working at other places and stuff like that. So that's what happened, you know. And it didn't, you know, that's, I wasn't terribly disappointed. You know, I was like, oh, that's too bad. I understand. But, um, um, but uh, you know, I... Um, you know, it, it was kind of. They also locked me in too on that show too. Like I was doing How I Met Your Mother as well at that time as well. Right, and they, right. I don't think ABC was too happy about me doing a show on CBS a couple of times. So there was some things like that. But I had a great time. I mean, they were very good to me, and they, you know, they had me as a guest star each episode. That's how it was billed, and you know. But um, right. A lot of people complain about the sitcom life, actually, for some reason, when they get locked in. I don't know why. I guess, you know, because there's other possibilities and stuff like that. But I had a terrific time on there. 
But thank you yeah, for saying I, you I, like I, that show. No, I did. I look. I liked you on Saturday Night Live. I liked you on that show. I liked you on well, both those shows. As a matter of fact, I it was fascinating this morning because I didn't know uh, your history, your family's mm-hmm. history. When and we didn't get a lot of time to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I wouldn't if you wouldn't mind it. Uh, your father's history, mm-hmm. your mother, your his. That was fascinating hearing you talk about those things of the people. That would come and go from your your house, I would imagine, or because you had talked about all the people that your father knew. Would would those people come and go from your house that, as a child? Uh, I didn't see a lot of that. There was some of that. You know, there were other people in my mom and stepdad's life too. My stepdad was a Zen Buddhist, and he built a place called the Mount Baldy Zen Center in uh, in the San Bernardino Mountains in near Los Angeles. And he was uh, close friends with Leonard Cohen, and Leonard Cohen I knew very well <laughs> as a kid. Leonard. And also another gentleman by the name of Carlos Castaneda, which makes people go like, oh, my God, uh, for those who are, you know, at that age, remembered he was a Pulitzer Prize winner, and he's the first one that wrote about him, his experiences with the the Don Juan. And uh, he wrote about, uh, you know, taking peyote and LSD and and having magic, real magic, you know, gifts like that in the 60s. And so he was somebody, too, that I knew. Well, as a child, because he he was up in Mount Baldy hiding, apparently, you know, he was, and I made friends with him, and people were like, I mean, I remember telling Lorne Michaels, like, I grew up knowing Carlos Castaneda, and he, the food fell out of his mouth, he was in shock. The only time I've ever, (laughs) the only thing that ever impressed Lorne Michaels was that I knew Carlos Castaneda, because the guy knows everybody in the world, Lorne Michaels, you know, I mean, his best friend is Mick Jagger and Steve Martin. But yeah, so that yeah, was right. that was kind of a neat thing. Another person too that walked in and out uh, that I remember was my mom was close friends with uh, Richard Edland, and he was the ASC for ILM Industrial Lights and Magic. He was the guy that mm-hmm. oh, yeah. invented and came up with all the special effects for Star Wars, uh, Close Encounters, Raiders of the Lost Ark, ET, Jaws. Oh, not Jaws. Sorry. Um, Everything that Spielberg and Lucas has ever done that made them who they are is because of Richard Edlund. Um, and it's pretty amazing to, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's a phenomenal, uh, that guy's <laughs> amazing. So I, I remember him. He actually shot uh, on a little, uh, little home video uh, my mom and dad's wedding, <laughs> believe it or not. And I, was, I remember hearing that first time. I was like, was it like a speeder bike race from Jedi, Return of Jedi? I'm like, no, no. Like was it like the land speeder? <laughs> was it like going into the Death Star? What my mom looked like? Did she look like Princess Leia? <laughs> but um, hey, well, hey, you know. <laughs> we'll take a break and be right back. I, I want to talk more about all this. This stuff is fascinating to me because uh, Chris, you 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 grew up in the Los Angeles area and then moved to Seattle at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I would like to continue with that if that's all right. Sure. We'll be right back. You're welcome. Um, I will do so. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking, and they always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. My pillow is offering more than 50% off his four pack special, which includes two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first my pillow. If you already know how great the my pillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. She will Look at Melina getting all touchy and feely. 
songs. And wonderful. I will tell you what, though, Leonard Cohen's song, Suzanne, was at the same time one of the most beautiful and one of the saddest songs ever. And it shouldn't have been sad, but I don't know. Maybe it was just me. Well, it is a beautiful song. And the one you just played, Running to Stand Still, off the Joshua Tree album mm-hmm. by U2, is, is a, another beautiful right. song. Um, that's a very special song for me. I, I'm very attached to uh, the group U2 and a lot of their work in the past. Um, Joshua Tree especially is a very sentimental album for me. I think it may be for a lot of people my age because uh, it hit high school for me. And it was really, uh, you know, that was the album that was in my car, in my CD deck or whatever. That, that little, I had one of those those pull-out CD things in your car that you would take with you into oh, yeah, school sure. because you don't want anyone to steal it with the handle and stuff so i always had joshua tree in there and i was just that was the song i'd hear going to school I'll go back home after school or fantasizing about that girl and making out with that girl in the car and going by the girl's house wondering why was that girl why didn't she call me <laughs> what happened to that girl whatever uh, it was an amazing. Uh, <laughs> so it was a song about happiness and sadness and all that stuff. It was with me. Uh, you know, it was very. I was very attached to that album. Um, and I, uh, coincidentally, later I got to. Uh, I was friends with. The, I'm in friends right now and have been for quite a while. With this guy named Guy O'Siri who uh, is into the music business, uh, management business, and he became. Uh, a manager of like in a lot of smaller set and people like that. Then he became Madonna's manager, and then just two years ago, I think uh, it was two years ago, he became U2's manager. So I was like, "Are you kidding?" Uh, now I take advantage of him all the time, and I'm like, "You got to get me." <laughs> so it's like assumed, and he's probably annoyed by it. I we haven't discussed that part of our friendship, but he does uh, let me get to go to the U2 concerts, you know. So I'm just in La La Land. I mean, not La La Land. Did you catch them this, uh, this past year when they were doing the Joshua Tree? I, I did, yes. Yeah. Uh, I saw them when they were here, and uh, the only thing was the acoustics, because it was at the new stadium, the mm-hmm. U.S. Bank, where the Super Bowl was, and that yeah. was the only thing. Because, uh, like you, that's my favorite U2 album. And it was great, because they played it start to finish, obviously. Yep. And uh, that was the only thing, was the acoustics The only thing, it did not building. work? Yeah, the, the acoustics were a little off in that building. Were there, were there just big cement blocks in front of them yeah. or something still? yeah. It's just very open. There's a lot of windows. It's got a glass roof, so right. it did not work. But the year, or the last time they were in town at uh, TCF Bank Stadium on the 360 tour, that was great as well. Mm. I mean, they're just one of the best bands to see live. They really are. I mean, they're. Uh, I don't even know if they know knew that in the beginning. I don't know how they would know that, but they're, they're one of those bands that are just they just something was ready for them to, to go to that level, you know. Um, and that's just nice. It's just so cool when. <laughs> There's something like that to follow in life. Somebody that makes that kind of effect. You know, I miss that. It's been a long time, you know. Nothing against Justin Timberlake, but, you know, that's the halftime show, and it's right. just not as magical as it could be, oh, I yeah. think. <laughs> and we're losing our heroes like Prince and David Bowie and these, yeah. you know, Top Eddie. And, right, right. Well, you know, was very memorable because it was the Super Bowl after 9-11. Remember yeah, that, that, yeah, that's even more memorable. Yeah. You know, you got the group, but then you got that. Or Springsteen did. The Springsteen did the yeah. thing too, you know, about nine eleven, and you know, <clears throat> I just don't know if I see Justin Timberlake <laughs> talk about nine <laughs> eleven. I don't know if I go yeah, to that maybe. concert. No, I understand, ladies and gentlemen. But I thought it- there's a list of people <laughs> I want to talk about. And this, uh, this goes out to more than just the ladies. Well, speaking of ladies, at least this but time at the Super I know Bowl, I'm talking to you, baby. You know, there were no breasts exposed on national TV like the first time Bless he did it. Well, he needed that breast, I'll tell you. I still think, Chris, what do you think of this idea? And I, I, I was very proud of this idea. I thought at halftime in Minneapolis, Minnesota, just last week, that he should have brought uh, Ms. Jackson yeah, out, Janet Jackson. I agree. Out, and then she. She 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 would reveal his nipple. Come on, <laughs> you know what I mean. That would like be a, funny. A little, that would have been funny. Or let's do a one two three like nipple, nipple. <laughs> Wait, nipple and then her nipples and then somebody's package yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. Well, obviously, her genitalia. But That's then the package. And I then, don't think they go for the package. At the no, because they'd be hashtag something. But you know that yeah. that would have been that would have been fun. I mean the Prince uh, hologram. For I don't, I really don't like the hologram thing. Bring them back. Yeah. 
Yeah. It makes me nauseous. <laughs> and I'm sure their family doesn't like it either. Like, oh, oh my God. Well, like, I just went through, you know, grief, and now there's this thing. I don't think right. that's very... His, his sister was quoted, she thought it was great. Well, a great really? But she For sold Prince? It. Okay. But she sold it. Oh, did she? Yeah, of course. She, they, if she, she sold it, there you go. There you go. Of course she's going to think it's yeah. great. And I don't think Prince and her sister were that tight. I don't remember them always she, hanging out. She is the closest... She but, was the closest person to him, and they weren't that close. Yeah, he's not. I remember no, I met him exactly. three or four times, and he's always been very kind, very softly spoken. I could barely hear him. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> he, yeah. I was like, it was when a writer introduced me. He's like, of course, this is Prince. And I was like, Prince, my God, it was a pleasure to meet you. And I'm like, what was that? <laughs> well, was it's that? an honor anyway. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I you tell know. people all the time, Mike. My one conversation with Prince, that one time I met him, he would, his uh, original manager was a guy named Owen Husney mm-hmm. out of Minneapolis. And, and I went to my friend's house, and Owen was there, and Cliff was there, and Prince was there. And I'd, he was a teenager at the time, 18, 19 years old, just, just when he had broken. Right. And I walked in the house, and I walked past him, and I'm about a foot and a half taller than he is. Mm-hmm. He was not a very tall man. No, he's not a tall man. And I walked past him, and went, no. And I walked by, by, and just what you said, I walked by and said, hey, how you doing? And he went, Hi. <laughs> that was it. He's went, hi. Yeah, very soft. That was, you know, but a nice man. Very uh, nice very, man. Very, very. Although he's eating an entire can of of uh, cake frosting. <laughs> no. no what? Good. He was absolutely. No way. Uh, he, he had he had a can of cake frosting. Oh, that is good stuff though. Of cake frosting. Not very good for you, but <laughs> wow. He had to bulk up. I thought no, you were going to bulk up. I thought you were going to say something. Like he's eating a can of black beans or like some a bunch of. <laughs> Almonds. <laughs> can of ravioli. Can of ravioli. Like, just, there you go. Cold without the ravioli. Co- cold ravioli, <laughs> downing it. But, wow, frosting cake, huh? That's that's intense. Yeah, yeah. Cake frosting, and that was, a, he looked like he was having a good time, though. Before I would have a good time out. eating. Well, I don't know what else you could do with that besides have a good time. Because well, it doesn't really make you feel cake. good afterwards. You're tripping out on opiates no. and you're eating cake frosting. Oh, maybe that's what... Hey, now. <laughs> Come on. Don't slam my... <laughs> he goes, hey, now. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, is that why I'm eating frosting? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even know he was eating the frosting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can understand. Oh, God. <laughs> Unbelievable. How, we're, nice conversation about Prince. Yeah, what happened? And it's just gonna, Woody Harrelson over here puts apart. down Prince. Of <laughs> 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 all the people. <laughs> I was telling you... These, Chris, you... Uh, no. No, I was telling these guys that my siblings all think I sound white anyway, and then he goes and tells me that I'm sounding like Woody Hel- uh, well, Harrelson. God, you're yeah, taking it so personally. But yeah. you, you left out the fact that I said you sound like you. I did say that in the end. When yes, you, you did. So you got to remember the last thing <laughs> yes, I said to you. Exactly. Tom t- could tell you. I don't take no, anything. I'll tell you what. I'll pay you some money like Prince's sister. Okay. And then you can, like, just <laughs> love what happened. <laughs> <laughs> why, now, why did your family move? Because your your father was one of the founders of the Groundlings, or was he the founder of the Groundlings? He was one of them. It, Paul Rubens was another one, and Kerry uh, Austin, and oh, that's right, uh, a few others. Um, but my well, my mom and dad divorced. My mom met my stepdad. They lived up in a place called Mount Baldy, and they wanted to be up away from everything, very peaceful, right, monk right. kind of people, um, and they they uh, wanted to move out of the whole LA area, and they. And also, the, uh, and I didn't know till later, you don't know a lot of the reasons why parents do what they do until much later. Yeah. Especially when it comes to appreciation of uh, how they raise you. Um, you don't just understand because you could be very selfish as a child, and especially in their teens. Um, they, they did move to uh, Seattle because that was, a, right. uh, that was a place of, you know, the air quality is great and... Um, it really is. I mean, and smog was a big deal back then in L.A. It's still not very good, but it's better. Right. Right. I mean, this is pre-smog check and pre-awareness uh, you know, of what we're doing to the planet. So they went up to the Seattle area in a place called Bainbridge Island in the Puget Sound, which is a, a beautiful area. And so that's why I moved up there with my mom and stepdad. And my dad was not... He was more of a bachelor kind of fun guy. You know, he wasn't really one to teach me it was my stepdad who taught me how to read and use a fork and knife and you know all that stuff my dad just loved being 
you know, smoked a lot of pot and watched old movies. <laughs> but he did work. It was his, funny. Was yeah, very, very funny. Right? I and of course I love that more to watch movies with him and and hang out and be around. Sure. The Groundlings as a child and and then go back to the world of Zen was like uh, <laughs> at that time, you know. But it was good. I would imagine oh. that, you, that, that. Did you enjoy that? I mean, it's a completely different lifestyle. <clears> but very. <throat> did you did you like being peaceful or was it too boring? It, at that age, it's boring, of course. I mean, yeah, it is. You right, know, right. Um, but not until later. I was like, wow, I I did have I had I I sort I you know unconsciously had some center of some sort um, growing up too. So I think that was because of that around me. I think you know. I had I had a lot of energy. I was a very hyper kid, too. Um, no, that's hard to believe. <laughs> so uh, hard to believe. Yeah, that Zen thing was a good uh, thing to have around me. People had no idea that I was, you know, uh, had some center. It was uh, people were shocked in relationships too. I think that's why I did okay with girls for a while. That uh, people were always like, "Oh, he's funny and he's kind of cute and he's on." SNL and stuff, and then they find out that like, wow, he's actually kind of centered. That's um, was always a shock, and I wasn't. I was did well in relationships. I was. I was always a relationship guy. You know, it's a good thing. It's a great thing. It's fantastic. Yeah. I've never told anyone this before in my entire life, but I will tell you because I studied meditation for many years when I was in my Mm twenties. But I'm I'm an inner city guy. I come from a very uh, let's say urban neighborhood. That's how I grew up. Yeah, a lot of violence and a lot of trauma, that kind of thing. So I studied uh, Zen meditation for for years and years, but I actually got in an argument with my teacher, which mm-hmm. most people don't get in an argument with their Zen instructor. You know, they just, that just doesn't happen. <laughs> Not usually. They all they give you a word to repeat over and over to begin your meditation. Mm. Right, there's a it's a word that you're not supposed to ever tell. I think that's called koan. Koan. I think it's called a koan. Not Leonard Cohen. A koan. I think it's called a koan. A koan is a is it's like a um a thing that you're supposed to. It's like a question that yeah. It doesn't have a real answer. So maybe something you're supposed to like you know. Maybe what's the sound of one hand clapping? That kind of thing. Right. Um, You're thinking of a mantra. 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 Sorry. It was a mantra. Thank you. Okay, so so he gives me my mantra, and I the inner city came out of me. And I said, "What?" He goes, "This is your this is your mantra." I said, "It's horrible." <laughs> he goes, "What do you mean it's horrible?" And I will tell you for the first, I've never told anybody this. My mantra that he gave me was "Haring." Right? Ha- haring. I, uh, haring. And I said, "Herring." <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't meditate if I'm thinking about herring. Pickled herring. Goes, no, 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 not herring. Yeah, I mean, like herring. What mm-hmm. a horrible mantra that was. It had to be the worst mantra of all time. But I think I still hold the position as being the only person who ever almost got in a fight <laughs> with a Zen instructor. That's a true story. <laughs> That's how bad my life has been and how out of bounds I can be sometimes. But don't you think that's a horrendous <laughs> mantra? Uh, I don't. I think, uh, well, depending on how he pronounced it. I mean, did he mean, did he really mean herring? No, he said haring. So haring means I would react. apparently in apparently it means destroyer. Oh, well, See? that's better. So guess uh, what you mantra, did? But <laughs> and, and no wonder I got angry. Yeah, and coincidentally, you destroyed him. <laughs> you yelled at him. You are the destroyer. Look I out, haring. The full mantra. But apparently, the full mantra is a bunch of words: sustainer, liberator, enlightener, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Look at that! I think it's supposed to be referencing some sort of greater power. So he just, he he just gave you a compliment. He gave you a compliment, did. and you. And I was a total prick about it. You totally <laughs> shot him down. <laughs> I did. What a horrible human being I could be. And now, There's no doubt about life it. Life will haring you. <laughs> yes, it will destroy For, me. I'm being haringed. Yeah. It'll be my own. It's wonderful. Yeah. Do you still do you still uh, study meditation? Do you, do you have did you ever or do you still? I do a little bit. Yes, I uh, I do. Uh, I do meditate. Very nice, I try to meditate. I wonderful for a guy who can't sit still, you know. But you know, I, I have. I've, it's a good thing. I, it's all. I have a lot of. You're going to enjoy my book, the book "Baby Don't Hurt Me" when it comes out at the end of the year. Um, well, I think you'll we have like to have it. Have you back on when that happens? When it comes, oh you have yeah, to come back on. Everyone on SNL is like well, really interested in wanting to read this book because, like, they know that I'm going to the one. I'm going to be the one that says everything that actually happened. 
but Ooh, people we'll haven't right ever said anything. We'll okay. This is Tom, and I've been telling you how easy it has been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. My goal has been to lose 92.5 pounds. Well, I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location, and I can't wait to shed those extra unwanted pounds. Nutramost is unlike any other weight loss program. It's just so easy, and they guarantee that you will lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. The team at Nutramost in Plymouth will support you every step of the way on your wellness and weight loss journey. Then, after you hit your goal, Nutramost in Plymouth is there for you with the Nutramost Forever Plan, an all-inclusive wellness program that improves and promotes healthy living and choices. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutramost Plymouth, located just off Highway 55 and 494. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Tom Bernard here. If you're ready to sell your home, you've probably heard that you should wait until spring. But why wait for temperatures to rise when the market is hot right now? Not selling in winter is a total myth. Truth is, buyers are hungry. And while other sellers and real estate agents hibernate, the Chris Lindahl team is selling homes like hotcakes. Chris has done a great job. We have our house on the market with Chris right now, as a matter of fact, and the video he did is amazing. The Chris Lindahl team is America's number one REMAX results team for a reason. They play to win, and they've got the skilled players to sell your home fast. In fact, they sell a home on average every nine hours for over the MLS average. Don't wait until spring to sell your home. Call the Chris Lindahl team at 763-401-SOLD. That's 763-401-SOLD. The first two callers will get a free staging package. This is a huge value, and it's only going to the first two Tom Bernard Show callers from this ad. That's 763-401-SOLD. Call now, get the free staging package, and grab the opportunity before winter is over. If you haven't already, make sure to check out the best of the Tom Bernard Show, brought to you by Brad Sean Bryant, or as he's known, the backup to my hard drive, every Saturday at noon for highlights from the past week and classic moments from our vault. Suzanne takes your hand and she leads you to the river. She is wearing rags and feathers from the Salvation Army counter. And the sun pours down like honey on our lady of the heart. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back and to the Destroyer Show. Haring! <laughs> that didn't really fit. Haring! I love that song so much. I do. I absolutely beautiful. love that song. It really what, is. what was the last beautiful song you think that was written? Mm, God. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that might be it. Exactly. That might, that might be it. That I don't know. Be, well, no, that's not it. I, uh, well, no, yeah. I, uh, I think there's some other things, but it's been a long time. Why is that? Are we running out of beautiful, beautiful moments for people to experience? Or is it just the pop music? It's the culture, right? I guess. I, I mean, come on. I think we're I, all angry at one another, and I don't know why. Is that Does that what affects people creating that? Or is it the audience doesn't want to hear it? I think the audience wants to hear it. Right? Cause when, the like, audience, I do. The I audience love, love needs that. to hear it right now. The audience needs to hear it. So why isn't that happening? We all want to hide in no. our own little world and our own corner and bad mouth the other person but if somebody wants but if a creator were to it's not how you pronounce it a creator would want to, would actually creator. creator would want to actually you know create something beautiful what's stopping them you know i mean it's just to like cry me a river beautiful <laughs> i don't know Maybe it just maybe it just doesn't sell any longer, so therefore they don't do it. So it's about selling. So you think if somebody like Leonard Cohen sang something today, well, you know what? No, that's not true. There is some beautiful music right now, but not quite like that. You know, not like that. No, that, that was wonderful. Yeah, that was magnificent. Chris Catan is at the New Hope Cinema Grill tonight, ladies and gentlemen, this weekend, as a matter of fact. And he's in studio with us, and we're having... See, I love having conversations like this where you talk about people's pasts and, mm -hmm. and what they've been through and uh, what you've been through. and uh, You can actually learn something. Yeah. I know it's very unusual these days. Yeah, it's a lot of... Uh, it is. Uh, I, I, well, that's how we become better people, and our lives can be better, and we can improve from lessons. You know, and like Sting's line, history teaches us nothing. And But that's not the truth. It's the sad case of like how we are. We just for some reason don't learn from our past mistakes. 
um, which is strange. It's weird. We don't want to, or we just, we think we can keep getting away with something. That's exactly what's happening in the White House. You know, I like that. Just keep thinking we could just get away with something, and it happens again and again. It always ends up not working out because you just can't do it, and we just keep doing it again. You know, you think it's the money part of it? You think the money uh, that's, is what drives it? That's all? part of it too. Yeah, we think we get yeah, away with it because yeah. we need more money to do, keep getting away with things, and then we eventually have to hit a wall, and then we're going, "Whoops!" Well, we we knew it was going to happen anyway because we just. I don't know. But another, it's too bad. Another piece of that is p- those people who just come into that situation never talk to the people who have been there, who who have experienced that, mm-hmm. and who may be able to tell them, hey, you maybe not want to do that because this will be an outcome. Right. Uh, th- that's the thing, too. It's going to be an outcome. It will be a big transition, and people are afraid of the transition and what could happen because you may not be able to make a lot of money if something changes. Right. That's what there people are afraid is. of. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that, and it's really disgusting. Because of all the effort they put into building or creating their empire, whatever it is, may go away, and they're afraid of what's going to happen if they don't have that. But that's, you know, that's one of the greatest challenges that people or man has to face, or woman has to face, uh, that ends up being okay, where you end up being okay, and something does work out, and you become bigger and better and healthier than ever. But nobody's going to ha- has the balls to really experience that, I think. Somebody just sent yeah. me a, 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 a text and asked me, is it true you did an impression of Ilian Gonzalez? I did, yes. <laughs> That's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, Ilian coming over Ilian to Florida Gonzalez. on a little tire, or was it a lifesaver? Or like a little it was a lifesaver. Yeah. Right. It, it was, yeah. I'm what? I was like, I'm Ilian Gonzalez. I came here <laughs> to the... United States of America. <laughs> I'm grateful it does for. Sound just like him. Come, it does. I don't remember what it he said. Just like him, actually. I would like to have some uh, whatever Prince eats. <laughs> I sing. You know that. <laughs> frosting on cake. <laughs> He's like 25 years old now. I just saw yep. a picture of wow. Vivian Gonzalez. How does he he's sound? He's like 25 now. They didn't let him talk. Mm. But I think he says, still sounds like that. Exactly. Even though he's 25, I am, he still talks like that. Years from now. I am 87 years old. I've been eating frosting for 62 years. And I still sound like this because my lungs are like the princes because he eats frosting too. We both said the same. Oh, my God. <laughs> How did you did you come up with that? I mean, just one night you decided I'm the two aliens. No, a writer like this. <laughs> a writer did. It was a writer's. Uh, it was a cold opening because it was in the news. So you know how the cold opening right. is for Sunday Live. They do with something topical. Right, right. Usually now it's like Alec Baldwin doing Trump, and he'll do the cold opening. So at that time, Elion was in the news, so they had me do Elion. I usually played the child or something like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. On the show. Um, so I played Elion <laughs> making a press conference. I think Horatio and I don't know who my mom was, Molly, maybe Shannon. Or, they're like, okay, speak, Elion. Don't be afraid. I'm afraid to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Just speak to the speak to the public. No, I can't do it yet. <laughs> I'm telling you, the listener is going to be very, very happy that I that I. <laughs> I read his text because he's like, gotta get him to do Ilion Gonzalez. Hey, uh, somebody talk about nice Leonard Cohen and Ilion tonight. Yes. Mm. Somebody bring it up so you can do both. It'd be one. Yes. Do you remember the, the very first impression you ever did? Uh, actually, the very, very first impression was Rod Serling of Twilight Zone. Uh, Ooh, remember the host? He's like, you know, you're, you're running another dimension, dimension of time. But it wasn't my voice that did it so well, it was that I could put my lip. I tuck my lip under my mouth or my the lip. Yeah, I had kind of teeth. thick lips. I do have thick lips, and my top lip I could tuck under, so you could see my teeth. And his teeth, you know, he kind of had. You could see his upper That's lip. That's right. He had a thin yep. upper lip and a fat bottom lip, and he smoked cigarettes. Yep. Uh, and he would ha- have his hands at his stomach, and he'd go, you know, you're running another dimension. Dimension, no, sight and sound, but a mind like that. So I would do that. I think I was like eight, nine years old, and 
you know, wherever I was at, adults loved it. Kids didn't know what I was doing. I, I was yeah, much more, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I got along much more. I was one of those kids that got along with adults more than people, kids my age. You know, I, I mean, I was, it had a lot to do with my, influ, uh, my, my, the influence of my mom and dad. Because I, in Mount Bali, there were no other, really other children up there, you know, it was, I was kind of like Mowgli. Oh, yeah. You know, I was hanging oh. out with sucking rocks and talking to <laughs> dogs. Mo- yeah. Like Mowgli, that's good. Yeah. So, um, I, I guess it was good. It was good because I, you know, I, I did have, I did, I talk about this in my book too, that I really think I did speak to some higher power or some voice when I was seven years old because I was really unhappy up there. And I heard a voice that oh. said, you know, once you get out of, High school, go for go for what you want, you know, and you will be exactly what you want. Just you just stick it out, and um, you know you're going to be okay. And I did exactly what that voice said, and I did it, and it happened. I did exactly what that voice said, and I don't know if it was like it was God or Jesus. I don't know what it was, honestly. I still don't know, but it's a very deep voice, and I was in a strawberry field in front of the school that where I was at when that happened. It came from above, and it's a very deep voice. And I heard my heart, and I heard it up up above me too. And uh, I think it's a wonderful story, actually. It really, it really was. I like, it, but if you, you know, when you're a place of misery, and you really, you have every right to be miserable, um, that you something happens. You know, it just does. If you're something, you'll hear something or something. You know what I mean? Just. I know exactly. I don't know where that comes from. It could be your own voice. It could be some something yourself. I don't know what it is, you know. But immediately I was like, I think it's God or something like that at the time. I mean, I don't know what it really was technically. It wasn't anything technical. I don't. Yeah, it was. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> but um, would you consider that that your misery to be? I mean, to the point of traumatic. Was it? Was it that that hard? To I take was being really the only a dep- kid up there. I was a really depressed kid. I mean, there was a school yeah, up there, Mount yeah. Bali School, but those kids, you know, kids in. Uh, up in mountains uh, it was the same 40 kids from kindergarten up to 8th grade and these were kids that were having sex at age 7 8 already and Ooh. taking acid at 10 you know it was not a, it was a scary school yeah it was like that was traumatic it was very you know, traumatic it was, it was not a good school to be in and one of those schools where kids you know say if you tell anybody I'm going to kill you you know that kind of school Right. you know right. a lot of knives and Look what I stole, and this, uh, you know, it's a scary thing um, to be around that. And you learn how to be quiet and be told to shut up and not say anything for years, and you're just trained to shut up, you know. Really? Be quiet. Don't say anything. And I was like that a lot for a long time. And it carried me out through SNL, just like if somebody did something that was cross, you know, I just was quiet about it. I let them do whatever, you know. For years, I let people walk on me because I was just told to be quiet. You know, it was very inbred in my head. You know, is this all going to be in your book? Is it all? Yeah, in that's in there too. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of abuse in my younger years too. You know, there's yeah some sexual abuse, my stepmom and stuff like that. You know, and then you know there was also some injury stuff. You know, I, I broke my neck too twenty years ago, oh. and I had four surgeries because of that. And it came out on Dancing with the Stars, and because I told dance, I told the uh, when I got on the show, I told people that I broke my neck. So before I get on the show, I want them to know that. And then the producers didn't tell the judges that information. So they were like, well, we're going to judge you on a poor dance because you couldn't move your neck for some reason. But yet I told them that information and they didn't tell the judges. So they voted down on me. And then, you know, that was like, whatever. So that kind of stuff was, is out in the book. A lot of, there's a lot of stuff that happened. Uh, that, that's not all like I'm a victim kind of stuff, but there's a lot of stuff that experiences. No, 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 not at all. That happened to me. That, uh, is a little bit of my, uh, it's about, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, um, time's up kind of stuff for me, you know? Yeah. Uh, cause yeah, a lot I of people, make it very clear. I, a lot of people do have said like, "Hey, what's what happened? You know, you you were on such a ride in your career, and something yeah. did happen." And I was told not to be quiet about it. So now I'm going to talk about it. Really? Yeah. That's phenomenal. I see. I I tell you what. I I, I 
you know, when, you, when you've been through, because I had a pretty traumatic childhood myself, and you can kind of tell in people, and in no way did you come across as a victim or, oh, I, I, this is horrible and blah, blah, blah. But you can kind of just tell that mm-hmm. you had been through a lot of trauma in your life. You, can just, you, can you t- could. I, I think if you've been through it, you could tell. Yeah, That's you know interesting. I mean? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that about myself. I mean, I do know when I watch p- actors or see performances like uh, Marlon Brando or Robert De Niro, I could see they probably uh-huh. went through things because you know I did a lot of serious acting classes before I got into comedy. I wanted to be a real dramatic actor, right. so I learned that you know in order to go there, you had to experience it. Really, I mean, the ones that yeah. don't know how to cry probably have never really felt pain. You know, I mean. Or you know, there's te- there's like a real performance, and there's there's technical performance, and there's a real performance. When you see De Niro, like really, pain, like when you see a performer really look like they're in pain, they probably really felt like that. You yeah, know, there's absolutely. no other way they can if they're really that good. <laughs> you know, then they obviously have experienced something like that easily. Do you know when your book is coming out? At the end of the year, it's called Baby Don't Hurt Me. As I told you that. Already, I think. Is, is it going to be like in December? That I mean, that De- late December in the year? or early January? Yeah, they slated it for that. We're shooting the cover in like two weeks. Right I do now. want to be one of the first people that you, that you talk to about it because I cannot wait to read your book and, Thank and you. hear all about it. Seriously, I, I think it uh, it just uh, on its face seems like it'd be a very very interesting story. Just knowing your history now after yeah. talking to you today Thank you. Uh, for for a couple of hours it's it's an interesting story it's an interesting life uh, a lot of a lot of moving around i mean it's just reading the fact that your your father was jewish from a family in iraq and poland your mother a native of budapest hungary mm. is a buddhist stepfather was a buddhist therapist and monk i mean it's it's a fascinating life story you have really it is. is a different upbringing from other people sometimes you know it's like my friendship with Will and, and stuff, uh, uh, you know, from Grounding to SNL and stuff, he, uh, you know, things did change along the way, and I write about that, but um, during the Roxbury, and, and uh, but, th- like, Will would say, you know, <laughs> poor, I felt bad a little bit for Will when we were in interviews just because people would, like, how'd you grow up, and, like, I would say all this stuff that was traumatic, and then Will was like, well, yeah. I had a, I grew up in Orange County, and I was fine. <laughs> Chris, I cannot wait to talk to you about your book. Go see Chris. He's at uh, New Hope Cinnamon Grill. Mm-hmm. Chris Catan, phenomenal. I cannot wait to talk to you uh, when the book comes out. Sir. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm looking Thank forward you, to it. Um, hey, it was great talking with you, sir. Great talking to you. I'm serious. I, I always like learning things. I learned a lot today. Well, good. I, really I like I it. I learn more about myself, and that's the lesson I should learn most. So. Thank you for letting like. me do that. We shall talk again soon. Thank you very much. A ring. That's going to do it. A ring. Tom. <laughs> a I got to get the phone. I the destroyer. <laughs> Let me get the phone. <laughs> a ring. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Tom Bernard Show. Thank you.